0: Welcome to episode 9 of None of Us is Yet a Robot, the podcast. My name is Emma Franklin and I'm a trans woman who works in theatre and performance. And this is a series of podcasts that are conversations with other trans, non-binary, genderqueer individuals about, uh, (laughs) I want to say, life, the universe and everything. There, I said it. Um, the last few episodes have been specific to uh, events that are happening around the country and this was the first one that was back to just any old topic. A topic set in fact by the previous guest, Rosanna Cade. So I was talking with uh, the amazing Griffin Gilligan and we had a conversation about children. Now it felt relevant to also invite my son, Joan, to join us. So uh, there's a three-year-old around um, throughout it as well, um, making occasional appearances. It's a feature of this podcast that I don't pick very good places to record, and I really thought I'd nailed it this time. We were recording inside my van, and I'd parked on what I thought was quite a quiet road. Um, What you'll actually find is that there's a constant uh, cityscape going on throughout the uh, recording, so it's good. You can get the experience of being in London on a busy road. It's quite disorientating if you listen to it whilst actually walking along a road because you hear cars that are not actually there. So please try not to get run over um, as a result of listening to this. But um, anyway, I hope very much that you enjoy episode nine, Children. Hey, hello, and welcome back to None of Us Is Yet a Robot, the podcast. And it's yeah, I will have said all that in the thing. Um, I'm joined by Griffin. Um, hello. Hey, thank you so much for uh, for joining us. Um, we are currently sitting on the side of a road, hopefully not a busy road, um, in South London. And uh, Griffin is here, and also my son, Joan, is here. Joan, would you like to say hello? Joanne is smiling for the uh, recording and also demolishing a ice cream that was shaped like a foot. Um, hey Griffin. Hello. You've listened to this podcast. Yeah. Um, can I ask first? Finished. How, good boy, well done. How do you identify?
1: Uh, that's a good question. I think... Um, because I was asked this on a podcast a couple of months ago mm-hmm. and what I realized is I think I most identify by what I do
2: mm-hmm.
1: currently, so I'm doing um, do acting um, and making of theater um, especially kind of interested in sound stuff and gender as topics um, and I do writing as well
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, and then personally I identify as
2: finished,
1: all finished well A young white man Mm -hmm. uh, with like transgender, kind of a gender complicated experience Um, for me it feels important personally to separate those things out Mm -hmm. um, kind of what my gender is and I think everyone has their own story about what that's meant to them and how they've come into a relationship with that Mm -hmm. Um, and so I kind of, I often find myself talking about that a lot more in sort of as a contextual Mm -hmm. thing with my identity Mm -hmm. Um, and not kind of um using the label yeah. trans man or trans guy as much.
0: That you don't use
1: that I don't name, use that, you? yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um well, you're not the only young white man <laughs> <laughs> in the van. In the van. <laughs> Joan, would you like to say hello? I don't think well, maybe I should prejudge. How do you identify? Who are you? Jackson. Oh Joanne that's a pretty good place to be at three yeah for an identity um so the topic of this conversation doesn't have we don't have to be talking about anything specific <laughs> at all but the topic that was given to us by rosanna who was the last mm. person i guess i spoke to in the regular running of the podcast um gave us the topic children mm. so maybe we should just start there and then we can come to other things yeah, as they go <laughs> And hopefully this road won't prove to be the busiest road. It's not like the South Circular or something, yeah. but it seems to pick picked up. This is a sausage. This is a sausage. It's a tissue that looks a bit like a sausage. Thanks, you're a sausage. Um, yeah, what's, I mean, what will those children bring uh-huh. yeah. up
2: for you? My, my name is half of Joe.
0: That's right. Well, your name is double Joe, actually. Joe, one.
2: Joe, daddy. Joe, daddy. <laughs> Good
0: one. Now, I'm asking Griffin a question. Yeah, what's children for you?
1: Hmm. It was interesting when you, like, when you sent me that, because mm-hmm. I think I just went, like, oh, I don't think I'm qualified to talk about <laughs> children. And this isn't a podcast about being qualified to talk about anything, so it's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but, so I have, uh, mostly it's a, I have a working relationship with children, mm-hmm. so... From the age of twelve, I did a lot of babysitting. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, for three years, I worked for Johns Hopkins University's uh, summer program. They have a program called Center for Talented Youth, uh-huh. which is like a, it's like a sleepaway camp. Okay. Um, so I work with kids, but for kids who are really into school. Okay. Um, and kind of more academically advanced and so um, they go and they pick kind of a course to take and I worked on the residential side uh-huh. of that so I work with kids um, mostly aged like 10 to 12 uh-huh. um, but one of the summers I worked with kids up to 16.
0: What sort of thing is that like because as a as it's someone from the thing. UK yeah. I have a kind of total association with with summer camp and with what that is and it, is it was it all canoes and the great outdoors and <laughs> yeah so a lot of them are
1: so this and this one wasn't this one was okay. um it was a it's a uh so a lot of the courses are the, so for the older group the like kind of 13 to 16 year olds mm-hmm. they're about entry-level BA courses. That's about the level that they're at. Oh wow! Um, so they take and you know a bit kind of more high school level yeah. for the kids who are 10, 11, 12, mm-hmm. um, and they take place uh, on a college campus. So I would go and live in a dorm um, with a hall of about like twelve to fourteen young boys mm-hmm. um, for three week sessions. So we'd go and during the day they would go kind of into an actual classroom on this university campus. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in the evenings we would do, uh, would have activities for them to do. So yeah. kind of um, all different kinds of stuff.
2: Open the And
1: yeah, and then weekends would also be quite. We do all the different things. Um, but it's yeah. Um, okay. Just gonna find this the other relationship too. I have with kids is my it's my mom's a teacher. Uh-huh. Um So, like all growing up, she would talk about work and she would talk about yeah. what was important to her about working with kids what does she teach um, she teaches english and like social studies okay um for kind of fourth grade so like nine year olds okay
0: eight and nine year olds my dad was an english teacher english oh, and was my teacher as well yeah yeah <laughs> i think yeah something interesting about growing up the child of a teacher yeah I for used sure to, i used to have moments where <clears throat> especially when i was doing my gcses and I think I would, like, not tell him what I was studying deliberately because he'd just get too into it. Yeah. And then I'd find a big <laughs> stack of books outside my door and I'd be like, oh, okay, thank you, thank you, and <laughs> then feel kind of terrible for not ever reading any of them. Um, how were you identifying when you were doing the summer camp? Wow. Yeah, so I... Um, was that a long time ago? Or?
1: Yeah, it, well, I started when I was 18. Mm-hmm. Um, so I identified as male, sort of, and was outwardly... Was living as male right. throughout all of that. Um, but it was uh, up until then because I uh, sort of my living situation, I've been living with my mom and my sister mm-hmm. um, and hadn't really been able to, the situation where I was, um, I was able to decide who to tell about my gender experience. Right. Um, I hadn't had that before, that was the first job. Okay. So I, um, I guess I started that first year, it was about a couple of months after I turned 18. Mm-hmm. Um, and i had had, because all my sort of previous stuff, I had different names on things and I hadn't, yeah. when I was applying, that hadn't gone through yet because I wasn't 18 when I applied. Okay. Um, so we had a really kind of, a really great conversation with them where the job that I'd had previously, I'd been fired from um, for coming out. Okay. And wow. Quite outwardly. Uh-huh. Um, I was just told that that's why they were letting me go and they weren't gonna give me any hours. And
0: What was that um, job?
1: I was a I was a host at a restaurant. Okay. Um, and they just went, you're going to confuse the customers, and you know, we don't want that. Yeah. Um, which is totally legal, it's a legal reason to fire someone in Maryland. It was, until a couple of years ago. Okay. Um, but so so yeah, so that job I kind of, I didn't know what to expect, I think I went into it kind of just going mm-hmm. like, oh it's working with kids, yeah, and um, that's already a quite a risky thing, and I think a lot of times there can be a lot of fear mongering around, mm. LGBT, and especially, especially I, would, I think, trans women, but um, trans people in general, um, around kids, and I really expected that to be an issue. Um, and we did the interview, and it kind of didn't come up until after we'd, I'd done the interview, and they came yeah. back to me, and they said, we want to offer you a position, but before we do, we want to talk to you about your accommodations and what you're comfortable with. Is there okay. anything that you need? Do you need your own restroom? Do you need all yeah. the stuff? And so it was totally about them offering me that's great <laughs> accommodation, what I needed, um, and my experience, there as well as them kind of going you know we don't expect mm-hmm. this to be an issue mm-hmm. but um, if anyone has an issue with it, we'll stand behind you. That's amazing. We'll back you on this and we won't, you know, they can pull their kid out before we'll...
2: Yeah.
1: Um, so it was really, it was a really amazing experience and I think, I mean Johns Hopkins was one of the first universities I was aware of to have such a strong yeah. policy. That's cool. Um, but it was really interesting being around kind of kids who were about to or were just hitting puberty. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah and physically being in a similar position I mean you know obviously like being bigger yeah yeah. but um, having also just started testosterone and like um, and also just watching them kind of encounter those things and having really interesting conversations about gender Uh with them um, and about sexuality with them
0: and were you out with them no I wasn't and I wasn't out to
1: anyone Mm -hmm. who I was working with either okay
0: but
2: can, can, can sky be um pink
0: <gasps> that's it. so um pink. for context joan's coloring in some paw patrol um characters and paw patrol is a really cool cartoon that's just become quite big that has one, two, three, four, five, six, seven characters in it. Mm-hmm. One of whom is female identified. <laughs> um, no, not that one. Do you know which of the puppies is the girl puppy? Yeah, it's Sky, which happens to be Joan's favourite. Which is good because she's awesome Inchance. and she flies a plane. But fly, uh, Sky is uh, is pink, of course. Um, do you know, man, I don't. I have a pink pen, I'm afraid, so you might have to settle for the purple and the blue, which are the only pens that I brought. The reasons I didn't bring any pens out is because when I asked before, you did tell me not to bring anything. Look, I have orange. Will that do? No, I don't want could be orange like you, like your shirt. Or we could save for later and colour colour Sky in later on. Um. So yeah, what kind of things were, I mean, were they, I don't know, I'm trying to think like if I've been in any equivalent situations, like I went on Cub Camp when mm-hmm. I was mm-hmm. about that age, but you know, this is, we're talking like going in England, in Cornwall <laughs> in the 80s, going on Cub Camp for like a weekend. And was then, that quite
1: like outdoors and yeah, canoes and stuff?
0: Was, or... no, no canoes. No canoes. <laughs> no canoes. <laughs> um, but tents. Uh yeah. My overwhelming memory of that is being constipated and not being allowed to eat cornflakes or something. <laughs> being made to eat Weetabix, which is ridiculous. It was only a two-day thing, um, but there definitely. wasn't an. Im- I mean, I, that was Cubs, so it was more kids. I didn't. Be, I dropped out before Scouts because it was all getting a bit, um, a bit too military focused. Yeah. Like Cubs was just fun, and um, Scouts was a bit more. Full on them because I was recording up the Sea Scouts. So there was quite a lot of um, it. Did get pretty boaty, but I wasn't really. I wasn't that. I wasn't that into that at that point. um I think I've said in the previous podcast my sort of cub career. I did a lot of um, oh, playing of the women hole. in the performances.
2: Made
0: you made a hole. Okay. Well, you were coloring so hard that you've gone. You've just gone through. Maybe you need to color a little bit more gently. Um. But definitely, I don't think I ever was in a environment where I was where I. I certainly wasn't in an environment as a young adult where I was asked or talking about my gender. Certainly, certainly not with an adult. A yeah. Not even really with my friends. I think. What sort of things would they? Would they talk about? Well, I think about?
1: it was it was just sort of as stuff would come up. So if, if someone would say like you Know, oh, I'm not gonna do the activity because that's for girls. So, we'd have dancing or would have zumba yeah. or whatever, and there would be kind of a zumba, yeah, which is a whole exercise <laughs> thing. So, we would have, and um, and and like you know, or there would be what else, um, there would be but or you know, would have a um, they had like kind of these socials, like little dances, um, on weekends. And one of them was Hawaiian themed one year, so we yeah. did they had like the lays, yeah, and so some of the guys would wear the lace and someone would go oh that's flowers I don't know if I should but we just sit down and have a conversation and yeah, there was yeah. lots of space for that and it was kind of and I enjoyed making space for that and going okay well why is that yeah. and you know um, and and a lot of times they couldn't answer that question they would yeah. just kind of and then their default eventually would just be like oh well of course I can wear that or of yeah, course yeah. I can um, and yeah it was it was interesting that I think that that year as well we had one of the those two sessions this summer, one of the sessions I had these two guys who were just really close. I think just had crushes on each other. I don't they would go everywhere together yeah. But but halfway through they start talking about being married. Uh-huh. Um and there was a couple of kids who were just really like not uh-huh. okay with that. Um but there's a really strong they have at the you know, we sort of so we talked about that and the mm-hmm. fact that that's a thing out in the world and maybe in the country because it's a very international camp as well.
2: Okay.
1: Um, and a lot of the kids, their first language is in English. Oh wow. Um, so it was kind of going, yeah. Well, that's not legal in the country where you come from, mm-hmm. um, and maybe your religion isn't, you know, doesn't think that that's an okay thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but you don't have to do this. But you know, yeah. these you know, these kids are saying they want to hang out together and yeah, they want to yeah. pretend to be married. at, you know. <laughs> At the dance or whatever, and that's okay for them, yeah. and um, and here in this country, in this state, it is legal. And, uh, actually, that was one of the, that was one of the really. I mean, I don't. I have really mixed feelings about the whole marriage equality thing, but um, it was quite useful. It was in Massachusetts and before gay marriage was legal in Maryland. It was legal in Massachusetts.
0: Um, were they one of the first states? to They were, yeah, it?
1: and so it was really useful to be able to go in this state. Mm-hmm. There's lots of legal protections for this, and so um, yeah. But yeah, and I think kind of just, yeah, just having, it's really, I find it really fascinating to kind of watch anyone, especially children, unpick where it is that they've gotten the ideas that gender is a certain way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, And watching them investigate that is so interesting.
0: Was it a co-ed, um space.
1: Yeah, so that was another kind of thing about it, was it is was a co-ed space, but um, the halls were still done by boys and girls. Yeah, um, and the, So the social groups were kind of, these RA groups were done, these resident assistant groups were done by, by boys and girls. Yeah. Um, and that that was kind of a conversation that I kept having, and some of the people did as well, actually, with the administration, was going, you know, we are separating these kids in their... Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, by in the residences. Mm-hmm. Um, but how do we make sure that we're not, if we have competitions and stuff, how does it not become the boys' halls against the girls' yeah, halls? Yeah. Or how do we make sure that at meals they have a chance to hang out together? Yeah, yeah. So um, and it doesn't become this thing of going, oh, the girls are over there or the,
0: you know. Yeah. I kind of feel like, yeah, all, all of my education really was co ed. But then I guess I did go to single sex, same sex kind of environments like Cubs, although it Cubs as an organisation isn't now. In fact they're super progressive, I think. I mean maybe not super, I mean they probably still salute the Queen and things, but in terms of gender I think the Cubs them? the Cub movement and the Brownies movement. I think they've been really progressive and really like, you know, trans supportive and mm. um, like yeah, they've done quite well as an organisation to move with the times. Um, but I didn't fact check that. I've really had a lot of comp- um, a lot of dealings with it since then. I noticed at the Yard Theatre, so last week you were performing yeah. in Ponyboy, Curtis, at the Yard Theatre, which I saw on Saturday night and it was awesome and I loved it. Um, and I noticed that the toilets were unisex. Mm-hmm labelled unisex not gender neutral they were labelled unisex you still have to have asex to use them um, (laughs) was my interpretation of that but that was because it was something that we were performing when we were performing there a couple of weeks back with rituals we changed it was only afterwards and abby and i were saying ah we we should have had that conversation it's something definitely going forwards that we've decided we want to make part of the criteria that you know if we're performing that kind of work i actually um Making sure that some of those things are looked at and at least um, that there's a conversation had about it. But did that come about because of conversations that you guys had had, or had they did they just no, do that? I don't end?
1: know. So they, it wasn't that way when it you were. It was not in, that way when so I was. So at there. some point between our shows, they changed it, which yeah. is really interesting. I mean, that's a it's a conversation that I've had with venues yeah. um, and would happily have had yeah. with them. I don't know if I would have thought to during that week. Yeah. Um, but. I thought but yeah, I've, they just I've... changed it. It was, it was. I really enjoyed. Intri- I, I realized it's a I fr- I mean, I've been in places with gender neutral toilets that are like single, hmm. like single cubicle ones. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I've, I, must have been in places with a gender-neutral toilet, but I, just, I don't think I've used it. So it's the first time that I went into a uh, really? toilet that's gender neutral that actually kind of had you know a couple urinals and some cubicles or just cubicles or whatever, and walked yeah. in and was like, oh, I'm in a, a closed restroom facility. Yeah. With someone of a different. Yeah. Gender. Or um, are perceived to have a different gender than me, and it was just all calm and fine, and it was really yeah. cool. I had never.
0: It felt been in that very before. well. I mean, I, I've, I guess, I have been in spaces like that before, and particularly down in Brighton. Um, you know, the Marlborough has had gender-neutral toilets for a long time. I really liked that they had the description on the outside of yeah. what was inside. So you know, unisex toilet brackets, two stalls, unisex toilet brackets, two stalls, two urinals, whatever. Yeah. Um, Which just felt like a really
2: Do turtles grow up?
0: Good way of doing that. Okay, so Joan's throwing in now with do turtles grow up? What made you think of that, honey? Turtles. Oh there's turtles down there. Yeah, turtles do grow up. They grow up to be very, very, very old. Turtles can live for a long, long time. And baby turtles you know what baby turtles come out of when they're born?
2: Eggs.
0: Yeah, they do! Like dinosaurs and chickens.
2: Yeah.
0: And snakes. Yeah. Um, okay. I'm really aware, I mean, so, back to children. Um, it's, we don't have any childcare for Joan today, and I thought it would be a nice thing to bring him along and to have you here as well because I was going to go and talk about children and rather than talking about children and dumping my child on someone else <laughs> I felt let's, let's have, let's, the ch- let's let's have this. children yeah. Cause, um, so I guess you know my linked, my strongest link to children at the moment is that I am a parent do
2: flowers um, why, why do flowers turn
0: <clears throat> to tulips Griffin why do flowers turn to tulips because they want to
2: but why Oh,
0: it's just... Joey is... How old are you, man? How old are you? Three. Three. Nearly four. Um, And we are entering very strongly the phase of why, 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 aren't we? You have quite, you're very inquisitive about everything at the moment. Um, So I'm really aware that three times now, I think, during this podcast, I've gendered him um, in the way I'm talking. And this because obviously I'm having this conversation I'm thinking about stuff and I'm thinking about the podcast and what we normally talk about and being super aware. Um, and that's interesting to me because we are not...
2: Why do t-
0: One more, yes.
2: Why do tigers and lions be naughty? Well,
0: what do you mean by be naughty? What do they do that's naughty? oh why did they eat people well because lions and tigers are animals and they eat meat and they prey on slower moving weaker animals and sometimes when they see a person we're they're just, hungry yeah they're hungry we're just food to them it's just the natural way that they are but you know what's lucky for you is that we live in england and there are no wild tigers or wild lions in this part of the world. So we don't have to worry too much about getting eaten by a lion or a tiger. It's pretty unlikely to happen. Yeah, it's interesting. I really evaluate the way, the language that I use around him and I tr- all the time. And yet, yeah, I think even with the awareness that um, me and his mum have around gender issues and my own gender identity and so, a desire to kind of keep him, as allow him to be as open as possible. We gender him all the time. We do it all the time, and that kind of behaviour, even from a baby, of like, I'm sure that we behaved differently with him than if he had been assigned female, and
2: it's really annoying to
0: know that. But it's so it's so subconscious and it's so habitual, and it's. You know, I'm trying very hard at the moment. I'm not trying very hard. I'm trying relatively hard and succeeding uh, to not gender people that we see in the streets. So yeah, I noticed
1: that at the restaurant. Yeah. We were having lunch. Yeah, yeah, Which is really cool, I think. I guess that but that, qu- that question that I...
0: On hang on a second.
1: That I have for you. I mean kind of for you. I mean, for anyone who's a parent. But for you is... Um, that seems... I I just don't have an answer for that. That seems incredibly dealing with a very gendered world Mm. and having a child who you want to love and protect and let them be who they are. Mm -hmm. But also you have to educate your kid about the world and everything in it and everything that's difficult or whatever. And I think I just don't know how you, you do that without kind of, you know, I think, I mean, you hear stories of people who very strongly try to not gender their child mm-hmm. at all
2: Yeah. Um, and, uh,
1: that sounds kind of ideal in, in one sense mm-hmm. but also it seems like it makes a huge deal of gender and it seems impractical in another yeah. sense and I just so what do you want to, have to like, what's, I'm really interested in what your kind of what your thoughts or your journey has been well. on being a parent with, with
0: that oh, there's, there's so many things isn't there um, we drive now. One thing no we're, we're just having a conversation for, for a moment. we're sitting here we're having a chat I'm talking about you though a little bit is that um, my I've been figuring out my gender identity for many years now but my kind of transition began around about the time that he was born mm-hmm. so for as long as he's been alive I've been transitioning. And I know something that when I was up at Bradford, we were talking (laughs)
2: about.
0: Yes, it did. Something we were talking about in this Q and A up there. I was asked, so I am Joanne's dad. He calls me daddy and he uses female pronouns. So he refers to me as she and he refers to me as daddy. And I was being asked about our decision for that. And I feel really strongly like dad isn't a gendered word. And that me and Laura that Laura's his mum and I'm his dad and we're kind of happy with being those two roles um, we were fortunate enough to be able to have him um, without any intervention outside intervention so that's a real um, privilege that that we have in our relationship and that's not why I choose to be his dad but it's just that's where we began and that's what he calls me and so I don't have a problem with that and I mostly what I feel is that it's his word it's his word and so there might well come a time when it's a pain in his ass to say oh this is my dad oh no she's trans like or whatever and he might want to call me something else and then that'll be cool and we'll figure it out and it'll be by mutual agreement but at the moment I don't see it as a contradiction. I don't see it as something that undermines my identity as a woman and as a trans woman. Um, And we're coming up to Father's Day in the UK and suddenly there's like these kind of, this is what a dad is type posters everywhere. And it's really frustrating. And it is something that, you know, it's something that outs me if we're out and people are like half paying attention to who I am and then he goes, daddy, daddy, and you can see people, look. and sometimes that's uncomfortable but like i say, i feel like it's his i had um when i was coming out to people and writing letters a friend from school wrote me a long letter expressing that he had problems with me coming out um with me transitioning and that they largely centered around this particular individual's fear for joan and that i was being very unfair to him setting him up for a lifetime of bullying um, and that uh, you know anyway it was it was an unpleasant letter yeah. but I kind of feel the opposite because I've been there's we've never been anything other than honest with him I will never be anything other than honest with him I'm out in the world anyway but you know I figure if anyone wants to bully him about my gender identity it's not like it's a secret so there's nothing what's the worst that someone can say is oh your dad's a woman and he'll be like yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah You know, so I don't yeah I mean as far as as possible I think it'll be okay in terms of how the world is I think it's really bad now it's way worse than when I was growing up this kind of binary boy girl pink puppy blue puppy I mean look at you know this thing that we've got in front of us and I quite like Paw Patrol it's it's neat but it's as gendered as everything is here.
1: but even just like I'm thinking about like when I was little, it was Blue's Clues. Blue's? Blue's Clues. So that might just be an American TV show. Okay. Um, about, uh, you know, there'd be a mystery. Um, in this house, there was a guy, Steve, and his puppy, Blue.
0: Okay.
1: Um, and uh, Blue would know the answer and would leave Steve like paw print clues, and he would go and solve huh? the mystery. Um, but, so that was like a 90s and early 90s okay, yeah. show. Um, and they had, a Blue had a friend, of Magenta, and... I forget it kind of ne- they were dogs so it wasn't really important. Yeah but There's a point at which the creators made a point of saying like there was a girl right wow. magenta is a boy Okay, and they're friends. They're not a couple because they're dogs yeah. and it's a kid show, yeah. <laughs> You know, but they're friends and it was a you know, and there was and some people got mad about that you know, People didn't care um, But I, I feel like that's I mean even just kind of within the the small cross-section example of, of cartoon dogs need, and kids shows. I, I mean, think it's changed rapidly it has, since that It's time. gotten so much worse. I think so, it absolutely so has gotten worse. so much worse.
0: And we were out, I remember, like, what, uh, uh, really early on when he was a baby, a woman coming up to us in public. Because this is the other thing, people are obsessed with gendering your child. Obsessed yeah. with gendering your child. We have, like, I was in the post office this morning and there was a woman with a brand-new baby and the woman behind the counter is, you know, is it a boy or is it a girl? And... We have this kind of culture of, this is the question you ask. It's offensive if you get it wrong. It's mortifying if you get it wrong. People think that Joan is a girl all the time. Because, why do they think you're a girl, honey? Sometimes. Because your hair is slightly longer than average. I mean, I think it is a very boy haircut. For my money. <laughs> but, you know, or it's just a haircut. But, um really, it's really violent on.
1: It's a really violent Social impulse yeah. I think um, And I Yeah it's, I mean it's interesting I guess oh, Yeah I've got a question For you about Like is that a conversation You have with Joan When that happens Or is that Something that he cares about or, Well when uh,
0: it happened This first time That I remember It was in the post office again And he was wearing A purple baby grow Like Tim Burton stripes And a red hat Purple and red And this woman Came over and said Oh I don't know Got Something about something about gender, and then i and I said he or whatever, and then she she said, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't know. Well, I mean because that meaning the purple is for a um, is for a boy, and that meaning red is for a girl. It was like when did red and purple, by their <laughs> relationship to blue and pink, become co-opted, and when did blue and pink become co? You know, it's all yeah. so modern. Um, and then she looked at me. And then she sort of like and disappeared <laughs> off. But I think you know, like, Eve, yeah, it's it's so it's so strong. What do what do we say? Well, the thing is, so I'm also like, as I understand it, our gender identity can become aware of our gender identity around about four or five. That's when certainly the expert I had a conversation with one time. <laughs> one time. Um, said he was like yeah if you if a kid who's five says this is what I am then they know it's not you know maybe it's a phase of course we've talked on this program before about everything being a phase but you know it's as real as you or I having that feeling as well yeah absolutely before that they're just kids and actually gender identity is something that they don't they don't really have they
1: don't have a context for what it means
0: well exactly exactly
1: yeah like the the importance the ramifications of it are something that I can really conceptualize
0: that age at all but what think. he's but what he's really learnt is two gender things and people and that's happened in the last like six months to a year he's really that's been a thing this mm. is a lady this is a man this is a thing and asking and what's this um so i deal with it by Trying to not gender people mm. without knowing. Joan has loads of trans friends, mm. and you've had conversations with them, um, like you had a conversation with our friend Carlos when you were asking about growing up and being a girl, like mummy, weren't you? And Carlos said, Do you mean like daddy? And you said, Yes. And then Carlos explained that sometimes people are born boys and then they maybe grow up and they change. So he's got. I'm talking about you like you're not here. You un- you have an understanding, don't you, about some people growing up to be different genders than what they start off. And you have your own kind of... He has his own kind of language around him. Um, one thing I find interesting, I think, because he's both of his primary caregivers are female, is that he primarily genders things and objects female, right. which I really notice, because I primarily gender everything male, like an asshole. But, um, yeah, if we see a dog, it'll be who she, I wonder who she is. And I'm sure that's just because the two biggest role models in his world are female. Mm -hmm. But he has a male childminder. And, you know, plenty of men as well. Mm -hmm. And I think I'm not... I don't feel frightened by the fact that he may well be a cis guy. Mm -hmm. Or a cis boy, cisgender boy. And, like, that would be fine for me. So... I kind of figure, well, well, you know, he's happy with being gendered male, he's happy with being a boy, and for now, and until such time, again, until he tells us otherwise, and we'll make that as, you know, he will know that that's cool yeah. <laughs> to do, but until he does otherwise, like, I don't feel the need to to not do. Mm-hmm. I'm rambling, rambling, rambling. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah.
1: No, that's, uh, yeah, I think... I think that thing about the specificity of time and respecting any person from the age of five or the age of, you know, 35 or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um,
2: I
0: don't like Marshall. What's that, lovely? I don't
2: like Marshall
0: because this head is broken. Oh, Marshall's hat is broken. Marshall's cool. Marshall's a Dalmatian who drives a fire truck. Um, Yes but his head has come off this um. sticker here. Should I try and stick it on again? There you go. Rescued. Nice. Um, one thing that, that I that have noticed, so this thing that boys and girls behave differently, mm. and this is where it all gets a bit frustrating and a bit confusing mm. in that, you know, anecdotally broad strokes the boys want to run around more and the girls want to sit the girls language develops first and the boys physicality develops first and you're so like kind of is this because of social construct Mm
1: -hmm.
0: (laughs) and then being the parent of somebody assigned male yeah he conforms to all of those stereotypes and his friends who are assigned female conform to all those stereotypes and it's really it's really interesting and I guess that, I guess there is biology, the biology of our bodies and the hormones that our bodies have maybe do play with that. So whilst like sociologically him and his girlfriends, they don't see each other as different and their interactions are all entirely ungendered. The girls generally were talking earlier and quite sophisticatedly talking earlier and the boys were running around with their... Pants off, going wild, and it's like I can't. I really, I, I find it hard to see if that was us or if that's just right. biology pointing yeah. you in a certain direction. I don't know. It's, I a, mean, it's such
1: an interesting question, and I think that um, I don't. I think it'd be hard for us to kind of, as a society, to find that out. <laughs> you know, I mean, I think yeah. picking all that apart is really um, is so difficult, especially because it's just hard to kind of as you say I mean I haven't I've obviously haven't been a parent but to know to what degree you're consciously or subconsciously talking to your child differently or yeah um, going oh do you want to go outside and play now or oh do you want to go over there and play with that's You know what I mean
0: I think I, I can't feel that we set those things up yeah. so strongly yeah. that yeah. they would have been broken <laughs> like we definitely didn't
1: but it's I mean this is I remember kind of it's one of the things that that plays a bit into kind of the complex thing around my feeling about gender and experience being things I talk about differently often. I mean obviously they're super interlinked but um but I remember at one point talking to my mom kind of about stuff and, and her going, Yeah, I remember all these things when you were a hmm. when you were a kid that totally were like these, yeah. you know, boy things. Like I remember like that all the I you mean know, all the time, like what I would dress up as and how uh-huh. active I would be and um
0: And do you accept those or is that your mum looking back with well
1: I remember it too I mean okay. and I, I think I remember quite quite early on like I mean I was in preschool at three and four so definitely around three and four mm-hmm. going oh I'm going to stand in the boys line for this thing Yeah. and my you know my first memories being told you know being told no and just going I don't understand mm-hmm. this feels like the right whatever mm-hmm. kind of signs I picked up about a boy or girl might even mean yeah, yeah. that felt like the right thing and then the getting told no was me going oh this is a important thing that I need yeah. to investigate or I need to understand more I don't really get it um, so, it's a thing that I recognize, but it also, <laughs> uh, I mean, we kind of were talking about going, but that's not, that happening isn't, it's important that doesn't validate my gender yeah. or my experience, because yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, there are tons of people, trans and cis, who that wasn't their experience as a kid. Hello. <laughs> hmm.
0: um, I mean, that's what scares me so much. Like, I, I just don't want that shutting down moment mm. where his options become narrowed and he gets told how his like more more literally I like think that kind of yeah this is the boy's queue and this is the girls queue. Because Joan's play like it's it's un I mean it's ungendered. Like he's not that big on cars and engines. He's always been into soft toys and dolls and figures and I was but you know, being into figures—that's not like a not a boy thing or anything. Um, he's not bothered by princess stuff, but then he's not really bothered by princey stuff either. And we don't tend to watch too much kind of princessy Disney stuff anyway. But like, one thing I—I'm really surprised that he hasn't like wanted to wear a dress, for mm. example, because me and his mum are both pretty feminine. That's the kind of the way that we dress, and so there was a point I was thinking like, well, you know, I imagine that he's going to want to want to do that, and he never has, and it's like he's just happy with the clothes that he wears, and if it's anything, it's going to be a Kermit outfit. But um, but yeah, um, that point of shutting down. So, I mean, how was it for you, like going through school, and your experience as a? Yeah. Okay.
1: Um, I think it was really. I mean, so I'm, I was always in co s- like school situations um, throughout, because I was I mostly went to I mean American public school, um, and then for there was three years kind of scattered throughout that where I was homeschooled, mm-hmm. um, kind of by my like okay. request insistence, um, but yeah, I think for a while it was kind of probably up until middle school, so about age ten or so, it was mm-hmm. probably. Mostly fine. I remember like I think I was generally allowed to do kind of what I wanted to do and if yeah. I felt like I wasn't going to be, then I would make a point of um, making an issue out of it. Like there was a
2: whole
1: thing in kindergarten where we got.
2: Yeah, it's
0: unstuck there now. I don't think we can save that one
1: we got like um, t-shirts for some school-wide event mm-hmm. and some of the boys had just like put on the new t-shirt and I was like oh I'm gonna do that and I got yelled at and I was like well can I go over in the corner and do it of the schoolyard and they were like no you're you know you can't do that and, wow. and I was just I mean and I was you know like six yeah. like five or you know six or seven maybe I don't know five or six um, but I remember like those things I would make a big yeah. quite a big stand for just because I was going um, I think I just I didn't have the language. To Mm -hmm. say anything else, so I just went. Well, I'm just going to do my thing, and if I encounter resistance, and I'm going to put up a fight about it. It's incredible
0: that you were that that was the path that you took, though. That you went that you went to the fight and you ran to the fight, and like even (laughs) conversations we've had in the past about you know latterly the kind of the fighting that you've done to get where you where you are. Like, Mm. I think with
2: with somebody else. Oh, that's
0: a good noise. With somebody else. that could have completely deflated them mm. you know it's really mm. incredible that you were able to you know take that on all of that you <laughs> know, take that resistance on
1: yeah and I think with anyone I guess and with kids too but it's it's interesting I think everyone has different sites of where they internalize stuff mm. and where they choose their battles yeah um, I think that's uh, there was a period of time I think where kind of I remember looking back and feeling guilty and going if I had just said certain yeah. words again and again and again maybe yeah. I would have gotten different attention or maybe I would have um, but it was interesting that it was the conversation that I didn't know how to have or I had yeah. I felt scared of having but it was the doing stuff that I could mm-hmm. first, I don't know why that I yeah. felt quite <laughs> able to to have that right yeah, and it was I mean, it was interesting I think then the thing that I in in kind of a middle school and high school thing that I learned really, because it was a lot about me making certain choices about my appearance and stuff, um, as opposed to having conversations. I thing that I learned really early on was how when you're that age and you don't participate kind of in the, um, in the gender performance or gendered performance of sexuality that's expected of you, yeah. how invisible you become yeah and how invisible how invisible right i mean i think that's not always true obviously i think there's ways that you can stand out and become sort of a target right um i think that that happened to me as well in certain ways but there was yeah. um i think there was a yeah there's i also experienced a lot of invisibility because mm-hmm. it was kind of going well we're all playing with this yeah these ideas of what sexualization are and because you don't fit into this box yeah we're not going to engage with you on that
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. On that thing. It's funny that kind of double invi- double edged invisible and visible at the same time mm. and we were saying earlier it's Thank like you. all the both shit things um, how and what, where, what was the catalyst for you coming through like so having had that awareness from a really early age what was the how did you come to
1: Yeah, I think there was, um, there was a thing for me about, uh, feeling so uh, displaced by, I think just as you get older, the amount of, the amount of ways that, um, your perceived gender affects people's expectations Mm -hmm. of how you're going to act and behave, and big things, but I think also small things, the way that people talk to you or the way that they, you know, whatever, and I just felt... So uh, unseen or so limited Mm -hmm. by that. Um, And not that I think, you know, I grew up really encouraged that women can do anything and that women can, you know, are incredibly powerful and really can just. um, And I think a lot of things around me, maybe not society, but a lot of people in my life really supported that. So it wasn't me going, I can't do certain things. It was just me going, "Um, I can't see myself having a future. I don't feel comfortable in my body and I don't feel comfortable in the world. And I. and it got to the point where I just I could I kind of couldn't imagine myself yeah. two months out or whatever, mm-hmm. and it was I was just losing that. Yeah. Um. So I just did. I kind of just desperately did a lot of research. Yeah. Like online, I mean, it was kind of the whole online yeah, thing. I yeah. did a lot of that. Um. And part of that was powered by the only encounter I'd ever had with any trans anything it was a show that I got involved in around the age of. 15 by a friend of mine, Trish Cole, who's a playwright in the United States, and she wrote a show called Butterfly. Oh,
2: flowers.
0: Um. <laughs> <laughs> they are um. good flowers. They are good flowers.
2: They're just pretend flowers.
0: Yeah, they are. They were from a show we did in this van. My friend Caroline gave us those flowers.
2: To be pretend in show?
0: Yeah. But I like them, so that's why we keep them here. I'm glad you found them. Sorry, your friend
1: Trish. Yeah, yeah, so she would um, have played with the trans character in it. Okay. I did tech on that. And right. It kind of was on and off for about three years. But I think that that's probably where I got the language to start to begin mm-hmm. researching stuff. But it was quite... Um, my experience of doing that research was it was really hard to find stuff. And it yeah. was really, really small kind of online communities yeah. in subsections of listservs on like art sites and stuff that it was really... really but yeah, I did, a, I, did, I did a ton of medical research as well and I kind of formulated this whole plan. Um, and once I had that, that took several months. I don't remember how long that was. Um, I wrote my mom this letter when mm-hmm. I was just before I was seventeen, yeah. and I said, "When I turn eighteen, this is what I'm going to do." And I think it was it was a very action based. It was kind of I didn't know how to go, you know. Um, it was like I, you know, because we, she, I, I knew that she knew me and knew some yeah. of how I felt, so I kind of had to go. Okay, well, here's what's going to happen about this.
0: Yeah, um, Daddy,
1: yeah and I just.
0: That's part of the roof of the van, so don't pull that bit out, (laughs) because it'll pull the roof in. It won't pull the roof in; it will just make it a bit of a mess. (coughs) Um, I mean that's again, like I think back to myself at eighteen, and I was so like so far, so far away, um, from that actualisation and action plan, and you know. there the wasn't game. so much internet. Yeah, well, we could play while we talk. Maybe um, this game of Perlabase. I like.
2: I like this.
0: But um, how? What was your mum's reaction?
1: Um, I think she had. I mean, she had a pretty hard time with it to start off with. Yeah. Um, she. We didn't talk a lot about it. Um, and we. Um, I think she. She definitely wanted to. S- Wanted to support me and help me because mm-hmm. she loves me a lot, but um, I think she wasn't sure about the ways to do that. Yeah, um, and we kind of there were times that definitely we butted heads about it. Um, and I, when I, I went, I went ahead when I was eighteen and um, kind of because that's when you can make. I don't know how it is here actually. I don't know kind of what the the age is for legal medical decisions because in the yeah. states it's quite clearly eighteen. So I remember I signed all my release paperwork on my eighteenth birthday, like okay. i had taken. F- so sort of before my doctor's appointment, I'd taken all the forms and with me from my last yeah. one and I signed them all on that day. Okay. Um, but I don't know if it's the same here in terms of that strict...
0: I mean, I don't know because I wasn't... There yeah. was nothing in my life that meant I needed to know. I have a feeling it's maybe 16. Right. Yes. I think a lot of things in this... I can
2: bridge! Awesome. Which animal's
0: going to go on the bridge? Fox. Okay, stick the fox up there. He's our favourite, isn't he?
2: He.
0: He. <laughs> is the fox a boy or a girl? She. She. Okay. Yeah. But is she a boy or a girl? A girl. She's a girl. Okay. Um. Then I apologise for misgendering the blue fox. Um. Yeah. There was nothing in my life that um that meant. You
2: got igloo. Yeah.
0: So we can put her onto the igloo, and Griffin can roll the dice now. We have to get these these animals there,
2: igloo again.
0: but there's no one on the bridge, so we can't. Their home is melting, and you have to get them on the bridge oh, to see. the igloo before it melts. It can get quite stressful. You um, okay? I have a feeling it's 16 because even though we can't vote till 18 in this country or drink till 18, there's quite a lot of other things uh, of other things yeah. that happen at 16. Maybe I'll look it up and stuff. yeah on there. Yeah, I think I should know that.
1: Yeah, yeah. let's have a little
0: look. But um. There is the, again. definitely a lot of stuff that you can... Yeah. Why it's a bit strange again. that children don't have the vote or under 18s don't have the vote when they have a lot of responsibility. Like they can go to oh. prison as an adult. But you can't vote as an adult. Stuff like that That's a bit weird.
2: Um, we got bridge. Well,
0: who's going to move on the bridge now? Like we try and give him a lot of um, agency. And it's, again, it's interesting, having made a, oh my goodness. Sorry, it was just, I was remarking on the fact that I tried to pick a quiet road to park on, and then there's a lot of noisy things going by. But one of the things that we try and challenge ourselves as parents is that when he says, I want to not wear my pants today, or whatever, that sometimes you go,
2: Uh Uh-oh, I got ice
0: cubes! Uh oh! Take one out then. If my instinct is to say no, no, you have to wear your trousers. You have to wear your pants. To go.
2: Go Ice cubes. Is that important today?
0: And to so like where it's not a kind of issue of safety or an issue of. Put ice cubes. Something. Well, let's see what comes up. We've got to roll it. So we try. Uh oh! Ice cubes. cubes. So we do try that, and it's really challenging because all of my instincts is to. Uh, is to not and to be like, you know, I'm the adult and my decision is is this, oh dear. Um, And so I hope that like, if something big came up, that we would be able to respect his agency and guide him through but it's definitely it's a funny Mm -hmm. it is a funny relationship because sometimes it's like you just can't do that thing because if that thing you want to do is to run into the road yeah you can't do that well then you know you can't they have a responsibility to not let you do that or your thing is to not wash yourself but you smell really bad like yeah things like this (laughs) and then balancing where they stop and and things that actually are just you know down Mm -hmm. to you because you know your own mind about some things, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. What are you thinking right now? I'm
2: thinking Paw Patrol
0: could be on, on the computer and I can watch it. Oh, that's a good plan. So you're thinking you would like to watch Paw Patrol?
2: Yeah.
0: Um, well, you can't watch it here because I don't have um, the computer. You could play a game on my phone if you wanted.
2: Yeah, play a game.
0: Okay. okay. This And this is... Kick-ass modern parenting in action, right? <laughs> I just want you to stay quiet for another ten minutes. So why don't I give you a electronic device? Yeah. Here, which one are you gonna play? Um, mm, your... Yeah, that's a good one. And appropriate, yeah. given yeah. The, uh, <laughs> the podcast. Um. So yeah, so your mum.
2: Uh, yeah, kinda I came, it,
0: came. Yeah,
1: around. Um, and then I. So then I went to a job which I talked about. So that was kind of for the summer. When yeah. I went off and did that. Can I sit on your lap? Of course you can. And then I I mean I moved out after that so sort of right around um, I came back from that job and went uh, back to uni. Yeah. Um, And it's been really I mean it's been cool um, having just a lot of kind of conversations over time with her um, and Kind of, I think we've both. Uh, I think I've I've learned a lot more about how complex the things that you're talking about. And mm-hmm. these examples you're giving were kind of more simple, but like yeah. um, how complex those things as a parent trying to deal with those yeah. and um, how that is. And I think that she's, uh, you know, learned a lot about and and has been really, especially the last you know couple of years, been really. Um, kind of aggressive in wanting to learn a lot about ways in her classroom mm. um, to encourage gender diversity
2: Wow, that's great.
1: Um and uh, to kind of support kids who yes. obviously
2: um, Gotta stop!
1: Oh, what well them aren't really fitting the gender they were assigned yeah. in Gotta certain no ways Gotta stop! Um, and that's so been really cool and, and my sister um is I think I tweeted about this. Uh, I don't know if you saw this, but she, she's she's always been really great, and she um, she just went to school I think that year and just went. Yeah, my brother this, my brother that, hmm. and everyone was like people kind of calling her up on it, and she just went. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. I've always had a brother. She just like stonewalled awesome. them. She just, you know, and she I mean I think she got some shit for that, but um, got to. but She was really really just brave, and she's has got to. Well done. She got assigned this essay, uh-huh. um, she's 17 now, she's in high school, she got assigned this essay that was uh, kind of like dealing with some kind of controversial political topic. Um, and she, and the guy had kind of given, the teacher had given, um, like, the whole bathroom bill, as okay. it's called, um, the trans rights bill yeah. issue that's kind of sweeping the states now. yes yeah. He had given that as an example, and, and also... A lot of the the Black Lives Matter movement, mm-hmm. he given those as examples of kind of uh, issues that were that were controversial. Yeah. But he kind of said some really negative things about those movements. Yeah. Um, and so she really wanted to take him up on that and was like, I'm gonna write this paper about trans rights right. and identity and how um, society needs to change to the, yeah. interrogate gender identity and respect start. each other and stuff. And, uh, So she was asking me about, she called me a couple months ago asking me for books because there's this like hard back book requirement. Okay. And there's so much stuff. And I think importantly about, um, you know, trans communities having talked and formed and discussed stuff online and publishing journals and I think about um, accessibility and a huge thing in academia about
2: gender and trans stuff having to prove itself a certain way to be worthy of academic. Oh, that's okay. I still love you.
0: It's interesting that kind of requirement of, yeah, academic, academic proof and legitimacy, and yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I mention on here all the time, Topside press because yeah. they're doing such a great job of publishing work by and for the trans community, but I think there is such a difference holding something. Like when I started ordering books, and the books were talking to me about trans stuff, it did carry more authority than a website you know and there's something about that I don't know it feels like it's been validated or something um and I think it's really important the work they're doing but yeah like it's a, it's a crazy like I remember when I wrote um this piece for the Guardian a um, year before last now and um there was a little bit of action in the kind of below the line message boards about mm. people kinda of saying, Oh well, you know, if this person has more stop. if this person was talented enough, they would just go out there and play the role anyway. Oh, so, interesting.
1: so it's just so it's just a similar we oh. talk about that with Selena on the way here. But yeah that's okay. so but that's so But the way
0: that she shut that yeah. down and yeah. she kinda of said about um you know they they, they cited Bethany Black. stop well, look baby. Bethany Black is, is transgender and she's just had this thing, like, you know, and she's a really talented comedian and she's I'm sorry, I'm, I've become distracting to your game. Um, but she says, you know, um, we've got to stop holding people from minority backgrounds that they have to be exceptional before they can kind of, you know, be the same as everyone else. <laughs> yeah. Like you've got to over, over qualify, um, and that's really telling. Oh, that's great about your sister. Thing. Yeah, yeah.
1: Oh, I think, I think that thing no! is so interesting too, in terms of just, um, yeah, that, I mean, that demand for people being kind of, not even being at the same level as someone from a non-minority yeah. or um, background, but having to be above and beyond, and I just, I think, and I think one of the things that often, sort of in addition to that being a crap thing, doesn't get taken into account, is that...
2: Noise on
0: Oh, actually, you can have that on, on the headphones if you
2: want. Yay!
0: Sorry. It's okay.
1: Um, it's just the the different, and I think it's you know I think it, it's really different for kind of different um, issues or even generations or groups of people, um, the ways in which feeding, uh, sort of being educated in or being trained in, or towards legitimacy in those fields. Mm-hmm is really difficult. Yeah. Um and so for example a thing that I that try to talk about when I talk about enough. like trans cat acting and stuff. Yeah. Um it's kind of there's a lot of stuff being said about whether trans actors have to play trans roles or um, and how they should also just be playing cis roles all the time, which is true. Um, <laughs> um if their actors wanna do that, you know all that kind of stuff. But um but just how gendered acting school is. I don't think people yeah. talking about that a lot. But um I mean, a huge reason that I wasn't able to go to a drama school mm. was because I wasn't going to be able to pass as an audition as a gender that I assigned as, yeah. so there was no way for me. Yeah. I mean, and when, I talk, when I talk about not feeling like I had a future, there was some, part of that was kind of feeling trapped in my own body and head, yeah. and then part of that was things like that, where I was just going, I can't, I can't play sports because... Yeah. You know, at that point it's changed now but at yeah. that point in time I mean I was playing a lot of basketball and I kind of went I just stopped eventually because I went I can't pursue this professionally because yeah. I'll either be in an all-women's team or I'll be on steroids yeah. technically and I won't be allowed to play um, I can't go to a, a drama school because yeah. that's I'd have to sort of audition as a, a boy or a girl yeah, and yeah. Um,
0: it stopped me for a long time like for for a long long time when I knew and then was you know oh but I can't couldn't possibly transition and I couldn't do this um a big barrier for me was like but I'm but I'm an actor I'm a performer and I love what I do and I just won't be able to do it and that felt like a really it was really important like I mean I couldn't imagine not being able to make work and you know the reality is that it's just for me it's opened up you know like look i make work about (laughs) it all the time but you know then there's the next progression of beginning to 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 exist as a trans performer and that question of what roles so what roles are there outside of the work that i make that is explicitly about trans issues um i was in a show at christmas and it was very tricky because um so I had this fantastic dress. The company were really awesome. I was like, everyone was gendering me right within the company, but I was being mostly red as male, partly because I was going through that terrible skin thing, so I couldn't wear makeup as well. And I had this amazing Grace Kelly dress, like real kind of 50s vogue, it was gorgeous, but that's a look that really needs the lipstick and everything, and so not to, to not have that, I was just passing more, I was being read more as a, as a guy. And then it was like a real block between, the show, you know, it was a, just a Christmas silly show and it was a real barrier between me being able to play with an audience and then being like, because people would think, oh, this is the game. Yeah, it's a man in the dress, we know this game. And then no, we, none of us were playing that game and then it became awkward. And, but I feel, yeah, I was asked this, um, a friend of mine's a director, and she said, um, just recently I was doing this um, this reading at, at the Globe um, in the week. Um, can you do this? Why don't you play a game that you can do? You can play a fish game? Go for this one. Um, I to Sonic the Hedgehog, which requires more dexterity than you are able to do. Um, time will come. Your Sonic time will come. One of my friends who was also coordinating a thing said that she'd done a reading recently and she said, I really wanted to ask you to be a part of it, but I didn't know how to and I didn't know what I could ask you to do and it was like, oh, okay, well that was my worst fear when I transitioned was that I wouldn't get asked to do stuff because I would be suddenly too complicated. Um, Where do you, I mean, I kind of feel I know now how I feel about the whole trans actors Mm. thing. Like, which I didn't for a while, I didn't know where to come down on it, and I pretty much do, but um, it's just really unfair for me to say, I know what I think, (laughs) what do you think? (laughs) Should I tell you what I think first, rather than make you guess what my position is? (laughs) Um, Because I think it's, trans actors should definitely play trans roles, Mm. and cisgender actors, particularly white cisgender men, should stop playing trans women. Yeah. Period from today <laughs> straight away, and I think Jeffrey Tambor is a fantastic actor. But even Jeffrey Tambor in yeah. Transparent, it's got to stop. And yeah. I think I was, I, f- I felt conflicted about that because I didn't want to say, but trans actors can't play cisgender roles. Because I think trans actors should play cisgender roles, and yeah. so it's about, but it's like it, for me, it's about opportunity, isn't it? You know, there aren't enough opportunities for trans actors out there, so I let's think not get There's the not many
1: opportunities for them in a world where, especially in film Mm. and TV, because it's an industry that, and you know, often in West End and uh, French theatre, to an extent for sure as well, um, where certain kind of modes of traditional beauty are so important to be seen to begin with. um, Which is why, I mean, I think, so because that's so saturated already, um, there's a thing about having to pass in a certain way. Um, And um, so that's, that already limits what... Transactors kind of not can play but what people might you know people will realistically will cast them or yeah. you know you might see a bunch of trans actors for a role mm-hmm. a cis role but you might not cast them because yes. you know i mean not you sorry you personally <laughs> hopefully not listening to this podcast um but a casting director might well yeah. you know, i mean kind of be well intentioned but then end up yeah not because they don't feel like any of those actors might pass well mm-hmm. enough for their standards and um yeah. it's really crappy and unfortunate but i think you know that's a thing, and I think the thing about um, there not being a lot of trans parts, yeah. also, and also about. Um, I mean, I think the thing that I'm really excited about is the trans acting workshop series that Catherine McNamara is leading yeah, um, at Central because I think there's so many. You know, apart from the whole kind of needing having that really gendered experience going into a yeah. acting school. I mean, and I don't know you might have experience with this as well, um, but um, being sort of taught how to play we or mm-hmm. taught how to play girls yeah. throughout your theatrical career and then kind of going
2: <sighs>
1: Yeah, now I'm doing this thing with my life that I want to do and now what do I play oh, yeah. in theater and um, I don't see I haven't I've I mean I, I wouldn't I, I kind of don't mind putting my foot down and saying just no more cis people playing trans yeah. <laughs> roles um, but I also I've never heard a good argument that. I, mean, I yeah. think if some, I, I don't know what it would be. I, I don't know what the example is that someone would have come up to me and say, here's this trans role. Yeah. I think it's really important or great that a cis actor plays this yeah. character. And I had, um, I just had a really interesting slash uh, meeting um, with the casting process that I don't know if they're done yet or not, but um, it's going on where we were talking. I was invited to read for a girl a girl's role um and I kind of went to my agent and was like
2: yeah
1: I mean he was kind of just going if you're not comfortable like don't do it it's you know I just went like what's going on here I mean I don't I don't really know what that's about and it was this woman's role like it wasn't um there was a there was a trans was a trans woman in the show Uh who's um, like Uh mid-30s um and I wasn't they kind of, I think, had originally thought about me maybe reading for that, and mm-hmm. then had gone, no, I think just the, the other role, um, you know. And I, so we had, and I went, and we had a conversation about what they were looking for and kind of why they had asked me, in it at all, um, and and we were talking about that role, the the role of the trans woman in the show, and and one of the people involved kind of said to me, you know, it's. Uh, when you see this character, mm-hmm. he's called Mark, and, you know even though he identifies as a woman at this point, you know, when you see him in the show, he's a man who wants to live as a woman and has to go away and decides mm-hmm. to go away and move away from his family to make this transition. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're really open to a uh, cis man playing him. Yeah. And I just kind of, was just going,
0: oh. This is making me so angry as yeah. a trans woman in my mid 30s <laughs> who has not been seen for this role. Um, but it's, But that's, I mean, I
1: kind of, I mean, I thought of you and some other people I know as well, but I just yeah. went, you know, and, and then, and then, so I kind of, I kind of you know, I, I, I forget exactly what I said, but I kind of went, okay, but um, if I can play a cis girl as someone who mostly, who often plays cis men, and sometimes, um, I mean, I just recently, for the first time, played a trans man in Teddy Ferrara. Yeah. Um, um, but, like, then. You know, kind of what, and he was going. Well, we had this advisor on this other. Um, mm. We had this on this other version of the show, and um, and she was a trans woman, and she was kind of saying that we uh, that a lot of trans women won't feel comfortable. They've worked so hard to get to a post-transition phase. Wow. They won't feel comfortable playing that. And I went, that's not your call, though. No, and it doesn't. And, and it everyone. kind of doesn't matter because it's fine if there's lots of times when someone might come in for a role or hear about a role and go, I don't feel comfortable playing that role. I yeah. don't like. You know, doing this on stage, or I don't like doing farces, or I don't, you know. And that's, I think, that's. It's. I mean, it's such a clear. But that assumption, that, that kind of going, well, we know better, or we don't want to be offensive because asking someone to play somebody earlier in Trudzu is offensive, and I just.
0: No, it makes me so uh, fucking angry. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's so like, it's such a clear example as well. And it's, it got, it got brought up with the Danish girl thing, you know, like, oh well, we, other, other than we had to have someone who clearly is famous, and it's about money. Sorry, lovely arse day still. Um, But that there was an argument of that, of like, well, but there's shots of penis, therefore it has to be a man. It's like, oh, because there are no trans women with penises. Like, come on, guys, do your fucking research, you know? And it's, it's really frustrating. It's really frustrating. I know how to play a cis man. I know how to play a trans woman passing as a cis man which yeah. is actually what that role is asking for and you know maybe there's some days where that doesn't feel appropriate or where i don't want to be seen like that but you know this is this is acting mm. um interesting
1: interesting well also i mean just the funny thing about i just get i get so mad about the whole i think it's because i do work with things like ponyboy where i do mm. naked work and i think i have yeah. a lot of um A lot of thoughts and some strong feelings about
2: Mm.
1: how people kind of talk about or interact with people, trans people doing naked work. Um, Especially with Ponyboy because it's just a male ensemble and Mm -hmm. that's how it's presented and we don't have, you know, it's not a thing kind of beyond that. Um, But in film so many, um, just kind of on that point, so many actors have like prosthetic penises Mm. when they do or, you know, when they do
2: penic shots. I mean that's, there's a
1: whole like I forget, I forget who did a there's a whole like, yeah, kind of sketch it's true, it's true. comedy show but did a whole parody bit but about mm-hmm. the contracts that are actually drawn yeah, yeah, like around oh. the size and yeah, what yeah. you'll see of the prosthetic penis and like how complicated those contracts get okay. for these cis male actors and it's like I mean there's you know there's so many ways around oh, it There's so the excuses stupid. just aren't um, no I mean, I mean it's, and it's not about the excuses it's about it's about I think uh, a bit of fear but also mm-hmm. definitely just kind of and internalized transphobia, and internalized mm. just going, you know, we're not. Um, there are fewer. I think there's a thing going. There are fewer because there are fewer trans people than there are cis people. The likelihood of having good trans actors is really small. There aren't that many out yeah. there. And I think.
0: Well, there's that's two a of them in myth. this film yeah. right now, <laughs> so you know we're here. I think. Yeah, it's such an excuse, and there's always like. I mean, I feel very conflicted around the thing of. You know shows like Transparent or whatever that they, they've got their advisors. They have trans women writing for the show now and things. And I, like this show that I saw in Edinburgh last year that I had huge problems with, huge huge problems with. I thought it was very irresponsible. A lot of the messaging that came through it, um, and that was like I had loads of trans people involved in it. And I think well you know, I don't want to be a dick and say like you don't know what you're talking about, it's just a differing opinion, but then part of me feels like how can our opinions be so different how can you, but I think it is about internalised trans misogyny it's about different approaches to what is an appropriate way to assimilate the trans community, this go slow thing I feel like I was listening to this um, on the what was I watching or listening to that was talking about A Nina Simone song it was a oh man it must have been the radio and they played this Nina Simone song that was about don't go too fast and it was about the black rights movement being told like don't run before you can walk right, right? Yeah. go slow yeah. and so there's this brilliant song God I can't remember where I heard it. This was like last week or something. Let's something look to. this up it sounds, yeah. Um and they said they were in a shopping mall in, I don't know, somewhere in America, and heard this song. It's called Mississippi something okay. song. I'd never heard of it before. Um and they'd heard it playing but without the lyrics, and they'd been like, whoa, this is not cool, you can't have this song, like because this song is all about the lyrics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um wow where did I hear that I can't think what I was listening to but it was really um, yeah I can't remember where I was listening to that but yeah that sentiment which is being directed towards us as well like you know well you can't have it all too quickly Mm. give everyone time give the nice normal people (laughs) some time and that was the sentiment of this show that I saw and I feel like no, <laughs> no. But it's dangerous. You've not only is it, not
1: only is it, yeah. And it's an unfair thing. Yeah. Or, um, but I think it's also really dangerous. And I, um, you know, I think the whole uh, trans rights bill thing in the states is such a great example. Mm. I mean, it is so obviously um, like more dangerous right now to be trans in the states yeah. than in, in most in many states. Um, yeah. um, than it was. Three years ago, um, oh, so because there's now. Na- I mean, because so everyone's sad. going look out for these people. And there's bounties at schools for people who to report kids are using the wrong restroom. Yeah. This is back. This is back to children. This is back to yeah. And teachers, you know, I mean, kind of, kind of talking about kind of and you know thinking about my mom being a teacher and about her experience um, and and her. I mean, she's she's trying so hard right now to get any support for just having conversations about mm. any kind of. You know, stuff about against LGBT bullying or mm-hmm. any of that, um, but teachers who now legally have to tell students they can't use certain bathrooms, yeah. um, or who have to turn students in yeah. for that, um, and that whole—I mean, when the law is behind your teachers and you're a child at school—I
2: yeah.
1: don't. I mean, that's so damaging, and that yeah. I think I don't know how that's avoidable. I mean, I'm not yeah. going to critic—I'm not criticizing anyone on this. Um, But I think when you start having really specific kinds of awareness representation that obviously people aren't getting the full picture. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of space for fear and anger still. Um, And I think the slower we go, (laughs) the more space there is for that and the more there's going to be X number of years of kids undergoing that in schools or just people in public, um, people. maybe would have had understanding employers but now because the employers aren't you know they they know what the rule is and the rule yeah. is that they can fire people for being trans so they're gonna do it because it's easier. Yeah. And then I think
0: no it's a really and I, I think that thing of again children so my exp, all my experience with children and my gender identity is that they don't care and they're fine with it.
2: And we are dancing mechanic.
0: Okay, I did it again. I had deleted the files from my recorder, but I hadn't actually sent them to the trash. So about 10 minutes before we finished talking, the recorder finished recording. Um, I'm really sorry to have missed those last few minutes because I was basically asking Griffin what he was up to next. And He was telling me about uh, the exciting writing projects that he's doing and also the performance projects he has coming up So, you know, maybe check out the link and you'll get those Uh, I know there's an upcoming Ponyboy Curtis performance that's happening as part of the incoming festival in London Um, They're doing a piece called Coyote, which will almost certainly be well, well worth your time um Other than that, we raved a little bit about The Yard and about the uh, season, Now 16, that we were both a part of, The Yard Theatre. I don't know if this will be out in time, but if you are able to get there, there's still a few days left of that season um, with the incredible Ira Brand performing um, a very interesting show called Break Yourself about identity. and desire. But uh, thank you very much. I hope you enjoyed this uh, this recording. It's certainly given me food for thought. thought. Listening back I've been thinking again about Paw Patrol and the significance of the fact that the only female identified character is not given a car when they all drive cars. Although it's awesome that she has a plane and flies around the sky, there's something very separatist about that when all the boy dogs are on the ground bombing around. So plenty to think about. Um, I hope you enjoyed it. Take care of each other and we'll see you next time. All the best. Oh, and I have a PS. Um, Griffin gave me the topic for our next conversation as well. This was another thing that got missed. So the next podcast will be adventure. So I'm looking forward to that greatly. Uh, I'm not going to record for a few weeks because I'm having a small break, but... No fear, we will return in July um, with another series, another few episodes. Um, so we'll see you then. All the best.